Happy Father's Day, dads. Welcome, welcome. We're glad to have you here. Happy Father's Day to all of you. Um, I uh, know this is going to shock you, but I got my dad a Parkview shirt and some Parkview golf balls for Father's Day. And a new book I heard was really good. So I hope you've got yours all figured out. I actually got to be with my dad. Uh, my, my parents live in Indiana, but I, I got to be with my, my, my parents because we... <laughs> We, uh, we, we had these two family things going on down in southern Missouri and Arkansas. My niece, Megan, got married uh, yesterday. I didn't get to go to the wedding, but I got to hang around um, Springfield, Missouri area where everybody was gathered on Friday night because I had to come back and preach, but I got to be there and hang out. She's marrying a young, uh, a young Hispanic man named Diego, who my mother-in-law, who's watching right now, called Diablo when she first met him. So way to go, Carol. Yeah. Good grasp of Spanish, um, and uh, it was really fun because uh, what made Jesus mad is in Spanish. So if you know any anybody uh, Spanish-speaking people, we we were able to you know give I was able to give Diego's uh, dad who doesn't speak any English a book and all that kind of stuff, um, and, and so it, that was kind of fun. Um, then uh, the reason I was going down there was because we were having this. Uh, we're having this kind of family reunion my, my mom put together with all the wheelers down in Arkansas. Um, it was kind of a family reunion, and we were burying, uh, we were interning my, my uncle's ashes. He died two years ago, but we, you know, we're, we decided we'd get him, his ashes put in the, in the burial plot where the whole family and my grandparents and my parents will be buried someday. Um, so, like, literally, um, my, my cousin Danny, whose heart is bigger than his brain, was out the night before with a post hole digger. Um, I mean, it was because we are, we might be a redneck. I mean, like he's literally out with a post hole digger digging a hole so that we can, the next day we could come around, sing Amazing Grace and, and bury my uncle's ashes. We just did it ourselves. It was a do-it-yourself do kind of memorial service. And then we went to Western Sizzling and hung out because, um, you know, that was it. Um, and I met a whole lot of cousins that I've never met before and none of them are married to each other. So... Just, just wanted you to know, good time down south. Love you guys. It was really a cool, a cool thing and a, and a cool time to be with my family. It meant a lot to my family to be able to be, to be together and be a part of that. Uh, so, but, but, you know, I mean, dads, um, we love you because you're different. This dad realized that his son's head looked like a kiwi, so he just went with it. Um, this dad realized that his son was going to be a Harley rider someday, so he just went with it. And I don't know what really this dad was thinking. It's just, you know, someday his son's going to be, you know, six-pack. I, I don't know. But I, I get the Father's Day is different for everyone. We, we all celebrate it differently. Uh, it means different things uh, to different people. It's not a big deal to me as a dad. I rarely get to be with my kids or my dad on Father's Day, um, which is okay. That means I can watch the U.S. Open without any interruption, uh, you know, today. Some of you get to be with your family on Father's Day, and you wish you were me, right? I, I get that. On the, on the other side of that, though, it's not about the day. It's about the relationship. I have a fantastic father. I love you, Dad. I have a great father-in-law. I love you, Don. Fantastic kids and grandkids. Um, just, you know, because it's Father's Day, I can do whatever I want. Um, here's my grandkids publicizing my new book because they're funny. Hey, go. Say it. What made you just mad? What? <laughs> <laughs> They're so cute, aren't they? Um, 
got this book. Uh, all the proceeds from Parkview are going to Reclaim 13 because we care about the kids. I'd love for you to get it, get it for people. It's also an Audible. The guy on Audible did a great job reading it. It's, uh, it's also in Spanish. And uh, I, I mean, if, you want, if you've got a book already, you want to you help me out with the project, get the word out there, do an Amazon review. Okay. That's what's really important at this point. Go on Amazon and just do a review. I don't even care if you don't like it, just do a review. Just the more numbers there are, the better. Go on there and put a carrot cake recipe. Somebody please do that. Just go on and put a carrot cake recipe on there. Cause I did that for a paper one time with a teacher that I knew never actually read the papers and he, he never caught it. So do that for me. Okay. Um, what, what I'm saying is whatever this day brings to you, I know that it's not always good. Okay. I know not everybody had a good relationship with their dad or their dad wasn't ever there, or, or maybe your dad is gone this year and it's a hard time. What we can agree on is that children are important to Jesus and messing with children makes Jesus mad. That's what we're going to talk about today. What we've been doing is what made Jesus mad it's denied access to the Father. The theme verse through the whole thing is shutting the door of, king, of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. That's what made Jesus mad. Three specific places where it says that he's mad, and then there's a whole bunch of other texts where obviously he's not happy because of the things that he's saying. But the three times that the Bible says he was mad was in the temple when they're blocking access to the, to the Gentiles to get to God. It's the Sabbath healing where it says he looked around at them in anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. And, and they're, they're caring more about the rules than they are about the people getting to God. Next week, we're going to do the overarching principle, and we'll talk about the woman caught in that act of adultery and, and how beautifully Jesus deals with all that. So don't miss next week and this one today. Let me start by saying that most of what made Jesus mad was about missing the point. And the point was about people's needs, okay? The point of the temple was access to God for everyone, especially the Gentiles is where they were. The point of the commandments were about taking care of people, not, not whether you broke the commandment by healing on the Sabbath. And he got mad usually when stupidity got in the way. Usually, and it was always towards the inside people, it was always about the church people that he got mad at, and it was usually while they were trying to please God while ignoring and neglecting the needs of their neighbors. I mean, the first commandment is love God, the second commandment is love your neighbor. Well, who's your neighbor? It's God's kid. So you can't neglect the needs or block the needs of that kid and, and God and make God happy at the same time. Listen to this. <laughs> Woe to you. Teachers of the law you've, and Pharisees, you hypocrites, exclamation point. You give a tenth of your spices, your mint and your dill and your cumin, okay? Like, so tithing was a part of the law. First fruits go back to God. Give the first tenth back to God. So what the, you know how big a dill seed is? Okay, I mean, they're, they're tiny little seeds. So these guys are being so legalistic. They're so about the rules that they're counting out the little seeds, and the little cumin and the mint, okay, I've got 10 mint leaves, I'm going to give one to God. And they're doing this, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, exclamation point. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. I mean, that's missing the point, right? 
You're missing the point of justice and mercy and faithfulness. This is why we have compassion here this weekend, and we're sponsoring kids this weekend, because those are the big needs, right? Justice and mercy and faithfulness. That's what's going on. You're missing the point, Jesus said. But as I was writing about this and and thinking about this, I mean, it, it feels like Jesus is taunting the Pharisees, doesn't it? I mean, woe to you, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. And somewhere in my brain, my twisted brain, it flipped over to taunting, you're going to go to Monty Python, right? Yes. Well, you were going to, whether you would have or not, because that's where I went, to the French king who's on the wall taunting King Arthur down below. And because my staff has to do what I tell them to, and they're also very twisted, we made it into a video. Hello? Who is it? It is King Arthur, and these are my knights of the round table. If you will not show us the grail, we shall take your castle by force. Woe to you, you dear tithers! Now look here, my good man. Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of elderberries. You hypocrites, you blind guides. You strain out a nut, but swallow a camel. Is there someone else up there we could talk to? No! Now go away or I shall taunt you a second time! (laughs) Who's going on sabbatical? I'm going on sabbatical. Yeah, you should be, you got to be here next week because you have no idea what I'm going to do the last week, I'm telling you. That doesn't sound like happy Jesus, does it? Why is Jesus mad? Because the stupid hypocrites, the stupid hypocrites are forgetting about the things that are important, justice and mercy and faithfulness, because they're trying to make God happy over here. You can't make God happy over here while you're blocking or neglecting his children over here. It doesn't make any sense. So you're like, what's the deal with the gnats? Yeah, no, seriously. So, so I don't know why, but, but on, the, on the rules of kosher and unkosher, There were animals that, you know, I mean, we know bacon is unkosher and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we get to live in the freedom of of grace and we get to eat bacon. But there was other stuff on there, all kinds of animals that were unclean. And it was for health reasons. And one of the things they weren't supposed to eat was gnats. Why? I don't know. I'll ask God someday. I mean, how, how could that possibly matter? How many gnats do you have to eat before you actually even can acquire the flavor of the gnat? Hmm, this is a Napa gnat. I really love this one. I mean, yeah, I don't even understand it. I don't know why they were listed, but the point was these church leaders are so legalistic about following the law that they're counting out their dill seeds, and when they take a drink of their wine or their water, they would pour it through a cloth and they would strain it out so that they wouldn't accidentally get an unclean gnat in their drink. All the while, there are people all around them that have needs that they could be attending to that are actually God's children, and they just don't care. All they care about is making sure that they do everything exactly right, and that's not the point. The point is love God and love your neighbor, and you can't do one without the other. I don't care how good you are at doing this. If you don't do this, It doesn't work. So keep that in mind as we talk today about the kids. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. Yeah, they're like, no, no, no kids right now. Jesus is busy. He's got stuff going on. 
And when Jesus saw this, he was mad. He was indignant. What made Jesus mad? Blocking the children. And then he said, let the little children come to me. Those of you that are like me that grew up with a Sunday school classroom or a, a kid's classroom that had a plaque up on it somewhere that said, let the little children come to me. I always imagine that Jesus said this verse, that he said this phrase with his little happy puppy voice, you know, like, let the little children come to me. Like when you don't want to scare away a little kid or a little puppy. I always imagine him saying that. But he's not talking to the little children. He's talking to the people he's mad at. This is in his mad voice. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. You knuckleheads, it's not about what all the, all the important adult stuff. These are the people that need to get to God. These are the people that need access to God. And I know the disciples had good intentions, but he was mad. As a matter of fact, he followed it up with the craziest statement Jesus ever made which I dare you to try to even interpret for your children later, if any one of you causes these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. That, what? That's Jesus. Like talking mafia language. <laughs> right? That sounds like Tony Soprano. It doesn't sound like Jesus. Am I right? I mean, and, 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 it, and don't think that maybe we're misreading it. It was literally a form of capital punishment back then. And Jesus is saying, if you block the children from coming to me, if you cause one of them to stumble, if you cause one of them to get in the way of the faith development of a child, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea. And then he went on, threatened them with angels. See to it that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you that there are angels guardian angels in heaven, and they always see the face of my Father in heaven. Say hello to my little friends, <laughs> the angels, if you mess with the children, right? I mean, it does, doesn't it sound like mafia? I mean, it's concrete shoes, and, and my angels are protecting them and don't mess with them. So, so what's going on here? What's, what's the gist of this whole thing with the kids, okay? Well, Mark's version tells us that what's been going on is that the disciples have been arguing about who's going to be great in the kingdom, okay? you got to remember that the, the disciples were pretty young at this point. So they're, they're, they're walking along. They walk everywhere they go. So they're walking along, and they're arguing one day about... Who's going to be number one? Like, I'm going to sit next to Jesus. And, and, and the funny thing is, at some point in this discussion, James and John's mother got involved. You know, their mom, according to Matthew 20, got involved and asked Jesus if her sons could sit next to him on the throne when he comes into his kingdom. And after this happened, the other 10, Matthew 20 says, got mad at those two, you know, like, your mom's here asking Jesus if you could ride shotgun in the kingdom? And so Jesus, is, Jesus is, is walking along. Now, this is my paraphrase, but it's exactly what happened. Jesus is like, hey, what are you guys arguing about back there? And then he said, I'm just messing with you. I'm Jesus. I know what you were arguing about back there. And here is your answer to who is going to ride up front in the kingdom of God. And he called the child over and had a child stand in their midst. And he said, I'll tell you who's going to be great. It's going to be whoever's humble. And whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. 
you start to get the depth of Jesus' feeling, right? And we're back to the issue at hand. Jesus was mad when somebody was blocking access to the kingdom, especially when it was the ones who were the furthest away. So in the temple, they were blocking the Gentiles, the ones further away. On the Sabbath, they were all about the rules, and, and, the, and it was the rule breakers who were the ones that were the furthest away. Talk about that a little bit more next week. It was the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes who were the furthest away, and they were blocking them, and Jesus got mad. Today, it's the kids. They had no value back in that society. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do it to me, and don't mess with them, or it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea. So what do we do with that on Father's Day? You welcome a child, you welcome me. Listen to it one more time. What good is it? He says, if anyone causes any of these to stumble, <coughs> any of these to stumble who believe in me, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a big rock tied around his neck. Okay? You see what I'm saying? What does that mean? The phrase to stumble there was interesting to me as I was studying for this book. Because I always, always didn't really understand what Jesus was meaning by that. But the, fla- the phrase to hinder, to stumble, is scandalizo, which is like literally the, the thing that made Jesus mad. It literally means to block access to God. It's literally the word that made Jesus mad. They were blocking the way to God. When you make one of these little ones to stumble. So what do we do with that on Father's Day? Well, to me, what this means is that there's a deep issue of our children and their faith that Jesus is very serious about. I mean, he uses mafia language to be very serious about the souls of the children. If you want to know why Parkview has always cared so much about our children, this is it. Jesus said, when you're doing it for them, you're doing it for me, and don't mess with them or I'm going to go mafia on you, okay? The angels are there. This is that important. So what do we do with that, fathers, grandfathers? Well, I would say this. I would say we have to be really careful not to do anything that would damage a child's faith in a trustworthy God by being an untrustworthy guardian. It'd be better to have a rock tied around our neck and thrown into the sea. What I'm saying on Father's Day is if you brought kids into this world, you should take it very seriously. Because Jesus views a child's faith as something worth protecting. We need to do everything we can to help the faith of the next generation. That's why I wrote this book, guys. I dedicated it to my grandkids. Because I, I want the church to get this. I, mean, I can't tell you how many books I've signed for people who've, who've been telling me, yeah, my kids... They don't, really, they don't really follow Jesus anymore. They, they don't really believe in Jesus anymore. And, and, and that's why I wrote this book. Because probably the reason that they did it is because other people were getting in the way with blocking their access to God. Other people were telling him that Jesus was this way or that the rules were this way or that everybody had to feel this way. And they didn't want to go that direction. And so they walked away. We need to care about this as the church so that we're not blocking it. It's also just something I can't possibly avoid to talk about this issue of blocking the children on Father's Day in Illinois. I don't know if you know this or not, but um, our governor signed into law this week the most sweeping abortion legislation ever in U.S. history. 
we are now going to be the number one abortion destination in America. You can now kill your unborn child up until the time it's born for any reason whatsoever in the state of Illinois. And what do you do with that? And how do we do anything about that? I mean, here I am preaching about, about, about blocking children while our state is signing this bill into law. And please don't respond to anything I say because I know that you're listening to me out there on Facebook Live. I'm glad that you're here. I know that some of you really disagree with me on this, and, and, and some of you are going to disagree with where I'm at on this, and this is not why I wanted to do this today, but it's so obviously in my face I can't let it go, okay? I want to tell you how I think that we should deal with this. I firmly believe that life begins at conception. You can decide what you want to do with it and how you want to believe about it. I think it's ridiculous that, that a baby in the late stages is not considered a baby just because it hasn't been born yet. You can believe whatever you want to about that. I recognize that many of you disagree with me. And I also recognize that this topic is painful and many of you don't want to talk about this today. And I want you to know that God and I love you no matter what and I am not better than you no matter what. Please understand that. But I'm stuck here preaching to the other inmates of Illinois right now, okay? I don't know if you know this, but do you know about the exit tax? Like, they're thinking about starting to charge us an exit tax when we sell our homes if we leave Illinois. You guys got to pay attention to the news. We're hostages. You understand? I mean, like, literally this That, this. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Welcome to the Hotel Illinois, boys and girls. I'm just telling you, that's where we live now. So what do we do with this, okay? How do we keep from blocking access to God's love while still believing in principles we hold true? I'm going to demonstrate this to you right now, no matter which side that you're on. Okay, and I'm going to say something that's going to sound crazy to you, but this is really what I believe. When it comes to political issues, we should vote and we should voice our opinions while leaving God out of it. You got to get past this Christian nation thing and, and holding on. You, you got to leave God out of it and never forget we represent God. Okay? When it comes to political issues, we should vote and voice our opinions while leaving God out of it, but never forget we represent God. What do I mean? What do I mean by that? You should have opinions, and you darn sure ought to voice your opinions and vote because that is your right as a U.S. citizen, and people died so that you could have that right. And your opinions should be based, if you're a believer, on the Word of God, okay? But what I'm saying is, exactly, what I'm saying is, trying to convince other people who believe God differently than you do or don't believe in God at all, trying to convince them by going back and quoting scripture or pulling out your God card gets in the way. And at the same time, never forget that you represent God. You can, you can still leave God out of it and be a jerk on Facebook and people are going to figure out that you're a God follower. And at the end of the day, that's going to be something that blocks access to God. So please don't do that. Please remember that the only time that Jesus ever got mad was at the people in the church. If you are outside the church and you disagree with me, I still love you. I'll disagree with you and I will love you. If you're in my church, I'm going to yell at you. 
I, I can say it would be better for you to have a big rock tied around your neck and thrown into the sea than not sponsor a child through Compassion International today. I can say that. Say hello to my little angel friend. I mean, but, but, but really, honestly, the dumbest thing that we could do, and it started going to straining gnats and swallowing camels to me, the dumbest thing that we could do is be upset about the needs of the unborn while ignoring the needs of the already born. That would really be dumb. That doesn't make any sense. Because there are needs of children all around us. There are needs of people all around us that we need to be able to look at and to see. One day, Jesus was walking along and a man said, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love God, love your neighbor. And the guy asked the dumbest question ever to Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? So Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan where the religious people passed by on one side because they were on their way to go count their dill seeds and strain their gnats, and they passed by the needs of the guy who was right there, and the only guy who stopped to do anything about it was a Samaritan who had incorrect theology who actually saw the need and did something about it. That, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do something about the needs that are already around us. In Matthew 25, Jesus is mad at the church because they're not taking care of justice and mercy and faithfulness. And he said, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. And they will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. That, 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 that's it. We're supposed to go be Jesus and help people who are Jesus. That's how... We stop blocking access to God. I love what Coach McCartney said, the guy who started Promise Keepers, the football coach. He said, I believe that if we could more effectively teach justice and bring it out of our people, we would significantly upgrade our offense. And by doing so, we would win the lost in far greater numbers. If we in the church really did justice today, we would turn our culture upside down for Jesus Christ. We need the high-powered offense of justice to make headway into a world that's deeply suspicious of religious phonies. Isn't that great? That's what we need to do. James, the brother of Jesus, said, what good is it, my brothers? What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs? What good is it? Those are hypothetical questions, boys and girls. It's not good. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. This is how you put the whole thing together, all right? Children are important. Don't block the children. If you have children, their soul is of premium importance. As a, as a church, children's ministry is of premium importance to us. And also the children of the world are that important. Let the little children come to him. We have a chance for you to make Jesus happy today by sponsoring a child through Compassion International. This is, this is why I'm wearing the shirt. This is what we got going on. We've already had hundreds of kids, and most of these kids are going to be in Brazil where we already have a church plant and we already have stuff going on to help them. Uh, 400 million children live on less than $2 a day. And compassion sponsorship is something that provides hope and resources for them. It gives them a meal. It gives them a school. And most importantly to me, Compassion International only works through churches. 
You say, well, what, why are you doing this today? I mean, in the middle of this. I couldn't do this when one of the times that Jesus was mad was about not caring for children. I couldn't do it and get up here and tell you about it without giving you a chance to do something about it. So for $38 a day, you can sponsor a child. $38 a month, you can sponsor a child. $38 a day, you can sponsor one of my grandchildren. For $38 a month, you can, because they're expensive, man. I'm, good grief. $38 a month, you can sponsor a child. I love Compassion. They work through churches. My first journey with Compassion, I got to go to Ecuador with Wes Stafford, the president of Compassion, um, with a bunch of pastors. And um, one of the pastors who was there on the trip snapped this picture of, of me. Um, this is me with the babies because this is always what I'm going to do. This is just some random Ecuadorian baby that I'm holding on my arms and teaching him how to blow raspberries. And you see him imitating me? And I love this picture be for, for two reasons. One is because this is what we're supposed to do. The grown-ups are supposed to help the children learn. Not, not to blow raspberries. They're supposed to learn about Jesus. But we're modeling for them because they're going to imitate us. That would make Jesus happy. The other reason I love this picture is because the random California pastor friend that took this picture 10 years ago was Todd Clark. He's a photographer. I don't know if you know that. Uh, he wasn't on our staff back at the time, but he, we were just friends, and we happened to be on that journey together. And he snapped this. That's why I, I want to keep this around forever, because it reminds me of what our job is and what we're supposed to be doing. $38 a month might be a lot for you. So what if a couple of you went together, and you went out there, out in your lobby, and you got a picture, and you said, we're going to do this together. My kids did this growing up. My kids, every one of my kids all uh, still support Compassion Kids. We've supported, I don't know, probably 10 over the years, and, and we're still doing it today. But maybe you just go together and do it. Or maybe you're a person who's got some resources, and you can go out there and pick up a dozen of these kids and go, you know what? We're going we're gonna to make a difference in their life. And I want to promise you, it's going to be a difference in the life of the kids that are in the church that we planted in Brazil or one of the ones that we're going to be planting in this small community in Brazil. We've already done it in Ecuador and it's amazing what God is doing and I want to encourage you to think about doing this as you walk out of here today. Like put your faith into action. This is what's really going to be important. And if you want to see how cool it is, Kevin West, who's our creative director, went down to Brazil to meet the kid, the, the daughter that he already sponsors. He's got a couple of daughters that are the age of his daughter that he's sponsoring in Brazil. Watch the video. So the time is coming for me to meet my sponsored child. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I don't really know what to expect. Four flights to get down here, three different countries, 24 hours. It feels like she's a million miles away. I have her picture. I know she's eight years old, and I know her name is Gabrielle. Eu 
fico nessa mesma situação, né? Porque eu já percebo que ela é um pouco bastante nervosa. When I think about the poverty in the world, it's overwhelming. It can feel like a mountain, a mountain of challenges, heartache, systems that are broken. When it really comes down to it, it's all about the one. It's about one person reaching out to another person. I can't take on the problems of the world and just because there's so many problems and I don't know how to handle them doesn't excuse me from doing something. And you have two parents who love you, and I know they believe in your dream too. But don't forget, you have a light inside. And the world needs to see it. I love you. We, uh, you might not get a chance to meet your kid like that, but you can make that kind of a difference in your kid's life just by, just by doing it. What a Father's Day present this would be to take your kids and say, hey, let's do this together. Let's get this. Let's start writing letters back and forth, sending Christmas presents and birthday presents and having a relationship with Jesus who happens to live in Brazil. It's an opportunity for you and it's there for you today. Dallas Willard said, we don't believe something simply by saying we believe it, or even when we believe that we believe it, we believe something when we act as if it were true. So I just couldn't preach this today and not give you the opportunity to be able to do it. Your heavenly father, the Bible says, Jesus told the story and said, in the same way your father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones would be lost. They're his kids. And the key to that I know we're all good people. We all want to help. I love what Kevin said in there. I can't fix the problems of the world. I can just do one thing. The key was the Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw the man who was beaten up, when he saw him, he had compassion. We just need to be able to open our eyes to the needs that are around us. And it'll be super easy if there are pictures on the refrigerator. That's how compassion happens. Stop worrying about straining the gnats and tithing the dill seeds. And let's go be Jesus to the world. And when we're Jesus to the world, he's Jesus to us. So which of these three do you think he was, was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, it was the one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. That's our charge, okay? 
When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Go be Jesus to them, and they will be Jesus to you. My story is Collins. I was in Africa. I met the boy. I met the family there, the boy with the big goofy grin in the back. He was 14. His uh, dad was gone. His mom had HIV. It was HIV positive, and the family was there living in the worst slums that you've ever seen in your life. The kids were all in a program where they were being taken care of in sponsorship, but they didn't have a high school sponsorship program. So literally, as I'm taking this picture, I'm finding out that Collins, at age 14, will not go to school anymore. He'll just be on the streets. And I decided to get involved, and I decided that we started the sponsorship program for the high school kids. And it was more than $38 a month, but we decided that we were going to do it. And Collins and his brother George, I love you, George, were together, and we got them sponsored and a whole bunch of other kids. And and along the way, I was able to take my family over and get to meet their African brother, Collins. And Collins and George called me dad, and I called them son. And and this was the way our relationship went. And... Collins was graduating from college and getting ready to go back into the slums of Nairobi and start a preschool, and one day he dropped dead of a heart attack at age 22. Some of you are around. I got the news on a Saturday. I had to get up and preach. He had an enlarged heart that people would have known about if he would have grown up in a first world country where there would have been health care, but nobody knew, and, and, and it just ended one day. I'd been emailing with him two weeks before that. The last physical memory I had of Collins and George was when they went way out of their way to surprise us one day as my wife and I had just a brief layover in Nairobi on our way to Malawi. And they wanted to sing happy birthday to their sister, Becca, my daughter, Becca, who had spent a summer over there with them. And this is their video. They don't know how to say Becca. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Binka. Happy birthday to you. So so here's what happened to me, okay? If you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me, Jesus said. So go, go, go take care of the kids. This is really important. But if you've done it to me, what I realized as I was writing the book is that if I'm doing it to Jesus, that means me and Jesus are in this relationship. And that means that this is probably going to do me more good than it's ever going to do Jesus. And Collins would tell you and his family would tell you right now that I, that I and, and our church did a lot to help them. We helped them get a house. We helped them get out of the slums. We helped them get education. We've helped them a lot. But I would tell you that Collins changed my life more than I changed his. Because I was, as I was helping Jesus, my heart was being changed. And the same thing can happen to you. I encourage you. Grab a kid. Grab a couple. Change the world. It'll change you. We're going to do communion together. And um, if you're not from Parkview. If you're a believer, you're welcome to join us. Take both cups out as they come by. We're we're glad to have you here. Um, Just hold them for a minute. We'll do it together. While we pass, we're going to do this beautiful song that I've asked to be sung at my funeral someday. Give me Jesus.
Just this beautiful, haunting chorus. The only thing that really matters is give me Jesus. And it made sense to me today, I give you Jesus, he's right here. Made sense for us to talk about this as we think about communion. And please, I understand that as we're in Father's Day, again, it's not a great time for everybody. It's not a great time to be talking about Father's Day. But please also understand that I'm always going to tell you that your Father in heaven loves you. And your Father in heaven is what's really important. And he loves you so much that he literally gave you Jesus. And if you want him today, he's available for you. More important for me, because I know that my mother-in-law is watching right now, and um, we've been having conversations lately. She's suffering from Parkinson's disease, and she's at the end stages of that. And she said recently, I'd rather go home and be with Jesus than deal with this anymore. And I don't blame you, Carol. And we're all going to be there. I'm grateful that you have Jesus. I'm grateful that you've been Jesus to me. And that's, that's why we do this. Because of Jesus. Because of the hope that we can have. And that's why we've got to stop blocking everybody else from having it. Let's pray. God, thank you for being our father. I, I just need to stop calling you God and just call you father exclusively because that's the only way we should ever see you. You are our father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. You gave us your son and you gave me Jesus so that when I come to die, give me Jesus is true. You've given us an opportunity to meet a whole lot of Jesuses around us, people with needs that will change our hearts as we open up their hearts to you. And I pray that you'll help us to do that, especially the fathers and the grandfathers that are represented here today. And Lord, if there are people here who don't know where they stand with you, would you help them to understand that having a relationship with their heavenly father is not about how many dill seeds they tithe. It's not about straining gnats. It's not about how well they followed the rules or how good they are. It's about simply opening up their heart to you and saying, yes, I want to come home. I'm praying that hundreds of kids get sponsored this weekend, and I'm praying that hundreds of hearts open up to their father on Father's Day this weekend. And I ask these things in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you have any questions or if you need prayer, text guests to the number on your screen. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you again next week.